Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. I've got so many songs that I wrote 100% of that are languishing on a hard drive that yeah. will never get heard. Yeah. But I've got songs I have 10% of yeah. or, or 15% of that were hits. And I keep, and I get to say, yeah, I wrote that, <laughs> you know, but I only wrote 15%. Yeah. But that opened all these other doors for me. You know, so I, I, I love that you said that just about, and, and I've never heard it said abundance, you know, the belief in abundance that there's enough for everybody. And if you connect other people, it, it comes back. And you just have to trust, you know, and then, and what validates that is it that happening in my own life, but also talking to people where, oh, that works for you too, you know. And that's such a great way just every day, like, oh, if I just do this and I behave in this way and I'm accountable, and and I follow some type of path, it'll pay off. You know, it may not every day, but in the end it does. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. I think it's worth saying I get sent a lot of books. Right. And I'm sort of, I don't mean to be a jerk, but just totally honestly, I'm, I'm sort of like, okay, you know, like someone's mm-hmm. writing a book yeah. and I don't. No. So I'll usually go, I'll give it the first chapter to see if there's anything and to see if it's a conversation I want to have. I think I read the whole book in one sitting. Like, I really loved it. That is so yeah. flattering. Yeah. Thank you. For real. I do not say that to people. I don't blow smoke. And I actually sort of hate books that are written in parable. Right. 
So I was like, I'm for sure <laughs> not going to like this. And I really dug it. So will you talk me through the impetus for it and, and all that good stuff? Yeah. Um, first off, the boxes checked used impetus yeah. to start off. <laughs> Damn it. You used it before me. <laughs> Listeners, we had a I bet uh, before we started board, yeah. this. Damn it. I went to LSU. I'm an English major graduate. I've, I've always been a, a voracious reader and I always knew, you know, music was my first passion, but um, I was always also, like so many people, you know, like I've got a book inside of me, you know, a novel. And then music took off for me. Um, in the late 90s, I finished a novel and was having it edited in around 2001 by an amazing author. Her name is Amanda Boyd, and she wrote a novel called Pretty Dirty Things. It was a super hipster, vintage contemporaries type novel. Cool. And then I went out on tour, and the movie The Hangover came out. And it was a much better version of my book. Oh, no. And I was so discouraged. My, my book even had like a dentist who gets roped into a bachelor party, gone awry, but mine was in Tampa. Uh, but anyway, so the point is I've, I've always written and whether it was poems or short stories and stuff. And so I always had that as something I wanted to do. And about um, six years ago, I had a friend, you know, and I say this in the book that it's rare that anything good happens in a bar after 2 a.m., <laughs> especially New Orleans during Mardi Gras. But I, but I ran into a buddy named Brady Wood, uh, and I'd just ridden in a, in a parade called the Hermes Parade, the crew of Hermes, the groups that throw the parades in New Orleans for Mardi Gras called Cruise, K-R-E-W-E. Okay. But I was I needed to get some food on my belly. I may have overindulged. And F&M Patio Bar, Uptown New Orleans, on Chapatula, right on the banks of Mississippi is the place you go for late-night jambalaya. So I went there, and I ran into this guy about 3 a.m., and I was like, what are you, he's from Dallas and he is, runs on that Highland Park crew and they're all very uh, sharp men and women and entrepreneurs. And, and he was like, hey, I'm down here with my YPO group. Uh, we just had Malcolm Gladwell speak for our group and it's, we're calling it an educational trip. And he said, you should speak to our group sometime. And I, my answer to everything is yes. Mm. You know, and then I, I live in the world of yes. And I figure out how am I going to do this? And so I've, Got my jambalaya, you know, I said, yes, I'll speak. Um, forgot about it. And then two months later, Brady called. So, hey, so a couple of weeks, in a couple of weeks, you're speaking to our group in, in, in Dallas. So I realized that I was going to be speaking to a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and people that I couldn't just BS, you know, and riff on. And so I, I'm like, what am I going to speak to them about? And around the same time, I'd been mentoring a lot of young artists and I published different artists. I live in Nashville. Um, now, Franklin, Tennessee, to be exact. And I, and I started realizing there were things that I had to learn to do in my career and my personal life. And, I, and so I kind of put those into these five tools or practices. And I, and I had, did that first speech. That was six years ago. And it went off really well. And so that was our YPO group. Then I did more YPOs. That stands for Young Presidents Organizations. It's, it's, it's a, you know, a national group of entrepreneurs. It's kind of a social networking thing. And that turned into speaking gigs with um, Witch Witch and Live Nation and, and, and Disney and Nike and all this stuff. And at some point, my agent said, you need to, would you be averse to doing a book? And I was like, no, I've, I've always <laughs> wanted to write a book, as, as you know. So I, I, because in the speaking world, um, it was a very prosaic, very business. The motivation was like, if you want to get more speaking gigs, you need to write a book. Yeah. And I didn't want it to be a prosaic, I, you know, 
I didn't want it to just be stale. And I'd always read a lot of those um, business parables, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And like Who Moved My Cheese yes. and Rich Dad, Poor Dad yeah. and The Go-Giver. And I was – two things struck me. One, the, the Who Moved My Cheese has sold 14.1 million copies. Right. This was 10 years ago. Right. Or six years ago, rather. And it's 49 pages cover to cover. So it was like, okay, it can be short. Good. And then – being an English major, I'm kind of a English, I'm a snob. Though, don't get me wrong, I will read trashy books. I love to get my trash on, but I also get my highbrow Booker Prize, right. you know, uh, on. And I was, I was like, these books are terrible. <laughs> they're hard. They're terribly written. I can do this. Yeah. You know, so that was really, so, so I was like, I'm going to do a parable. And it, what really, when it really, the aha moment was what I already figured out with the speeches is like, is that I'm talking about these things that I do in my creative profession, songwriting, but they're things that anybody in any profession can do. Because as you as you know, is when you start digging into what do successful groups do in you know time and time again. Right. It, there's all these parallels. It's all yeah. the same, not only in business, but in per, how to be accountable in your personal life. But I could couch it in in the world of music, which people are naturally drawn to. And that's why the speeches work, because I do a career arc of my, of my life. So I decided I'd create a character that was loosely based on me, Jake Stark. Yeah. And um, and set him in in uh, Nashville, and we meet him right when he's dropped from his longtime publisher. And he, then he, he has this fortuitous meeting with an enigmatic... A uh, twenty-eight-year-old billionaire named Sir, Sir Daniel Smith Daniels, and that's with you know a nod of the head, a tip of the hat to uh, Spinal Tap, and then that I was I was off to the races, and I knew exactly everything I wanted to know, everything that wanted to have. You know, when you've you've done books, you're very successful. When that when the kernel of the whole, you see the whole idea, yeah, it's like that moment in uh, Queen's Gambit when she can see all the chess moves, yeah. and I was like, I know how this book's gonna be. Then it was just forcing myself to finish it. Right. Sorry. That was a long No, I loved answer. it. And now I'm like, okay, remember all the tangents you want to go off on on this. The first one, have you ever read Big Magic by Liz Gilbert? I have not. Okay, so you said something. I'm already in though, Big Magic. Yeah, That's a yeah. song title, by the way. I mean, it's a good one, right? Fantastic book, and I recommend it to almost every creative oh, wow. I know or anyone who comes on the show. Liz Gilbert wrote Eat, Pray, Love. Of course. And uh, this is a nonfiction book about the creative process. Ooh. And the reason I mention it is because she... Her theory is that ideas are just sort of floating around in the ether waiting for a human to make them manifest. And it's why we will have an idea and then see the the idea that we had, we'll see it show up somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you've seen this maybe with songs or riffs or lyrics or whatever. And you're like, I had that idea 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And if you don't like meet the idea, the muse or whatever you believe in halfway, you end up seeing it become the hangover you do exactly that is so true and uh wow good for her because that's something i actually i I talk about all the time one of the things in the book i talk about is um changing your attitude Mm -hmm. which is attitude is uh, we it it doesn't mean how your coach or your parents would say you need to change your attitude it's how attitude is used in aviation like altitude is your height off the ground Attitude is your orientation to the ground. Is your nose down? Is your nose down, up? Specifically, when you're landing a plane, like how? What is your angle of approach when you land it? What? How? Or put another way, in a creative or a business way, 
how are you going to finish that great idea or stick the landing if you're a gymnast, you know? And so a lot of, we all have the, the way we always finish the thought or, or, or complete the idea. And, but sometimes that, that angle of approach, that attitude isn't working. So I talk in the book about how do you change your attitude? And I do it in song terms about like, I always start a song with playing guitar, but when that doesn't work, I change my attitude. I go to my, my, my uh, voice memos and I listen to all these lyrics and stuff and, or I'll pull up a beat and when, and, and without fail, some idea pops up and I use this uh, story. I wrote a song. Uh, it's one of my biggest songs with Sugarland, a song called stuck like glue. Mm. And I was writing with this kid named shy Carter who at the time hadn't had much success. He'd been like an assistant engineer on Nelly's country grammar record, which was massive. Yeah, I was going to say. And, uh, and it was one of those days we were in Atwater village. That's when I still lived in uh, silver Lake. And I was playing this guitar riff and nothing was happening for two, for, for about two hours. Then we went to down to, uh, I think to intelligentsia speaking of, <laughs> yep. of, of, uh, get the coffee yeah, of serious coffee. And I came back and, uh, shy when, when he said, yo, Kevin, I'm going to go get some herbal inspiration, which, which was yes. uh code word for, he's going to go smoke weed. Right. And you know, when you work with someone who smokes weed, you have a beautiful, but very short window of opportunity, you know, to capture right. the magic, right. the big magic as right. it were. But when he was doing that, I, I put auto tune on uh, the vocal track, and if and we all know what auto tune is, we've heard of it, you know, from going back to shares. Do you believe in love? But what it is, it's like a plugin or an app um, or or program, and you put it on a vocal mic, and whatever your key is of your song, like key of G, anything you sing through that mic sounds amazing. It's a third or a fifth, and that's how a lot of pop songs are written. Mm -hmm. So. I was so close to giving up on that day. I'd, we played the same guitar part for almost three hours. Then shy, we came back from coffee. I put on auto tune. I changed my attitude. Like let's tr figure out a way to change our approach. And in thirty minutes, he came back in in that beautiful big magic thirty minutes, and he sang this melody that I instantly knew was a hit. And it, I ended up an hour later, we'd finished a verse and chorus, and we sent it to Jennifer. I called Jennifer Nettles. I was like, hey, it was actually Christian Bush, her partner. In Sugarland, I was like, are you guys finished with your album? This was a Thursday. This never happens. And she said, we are not finished. We need a single, and we're recording Tuesday. And I was like, I have your next single. And no. we sent it to them. Two hours later, they sent us the second verse and the, and the bridge, and, and it became the 11th, still to this day, the 11th most downloaded song ever. But the point is, uh, it, it I'm not one of those people who subscribe to platitudes or those, you know, those posters in offices that, that show like a, a kitten hanging from a bar that's just <laughs> yes. <laughs> in soft yes, focus yes. or like a baseball player, you know, you can't steal second with your foot on first, that right, kind of stuff. Right. But this one time I made an exception. Yes. And to, to your point about um, a big magic is I, in big, you know, uh, uh, Helvetica font, uh, I typed, the song is always there. And, and I printed it up and I put it at the base of my monitor. And it's a reminder to me that every time I go into a songwriting session, that life-changing idea, that song, that, that, that uh, business plan, that, that thing you're searching for in your life to give it meaning, it's always in the room. It's really, and it's really like invisible butterflies. Yeah. And you run around with a net. You just have to, 
give yourself the tools to remain open to it. I mean, how receptive are you going to be? And then there's the the people who are gifted, like the Paul McCartney's of the world or the Ed Sheeran's who are so attuned to that yeah. magic. The rest of us are mortals, you know, right. and right. we get it right every once in a while. Right. But I love that. I'm going to read, but I'll, oh, I'll be picking big it. magic up. So, so I subscribe totally to that. And it's the truth. Yeah. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way, as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle, and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone, whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. Guys, no two listeners of the show are exactly alike, which means that no two vacations you take are going to be exactly alike either. And if you're looking for a place that will serve all of you, Texas has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities that allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. I love Texas so much, I moved my family there for five years. Because here's the deal, Texas has it all. Are you a beach person? We got you. If you love a rugged vacation, not my jam, but there's plenty of campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. My favorite part about Texas the food. It is the thing I miss the absolute most. Whether you love barbecue or Tex-Mex or just want to be in cities that take their food very seriously. You can enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. When you were circling around the song that day, that day in particular, you had a bit of the melody, you had that opening guitar, you Mm -hmm. had the, like, what what did you guys know was a thing that you kept trying to work with? Well, sometimes 
it's interesting. Songs happen so many different ways. Sometimes it's a, ideally the artist comes in and they have a melody that they already love and you're off to the races because the artist already loves the song. You don't have to convince them. You right. Know? Other times it's um, maybe sometimes it's just a sync write, which means synchronization. You're, you're a bunch of writers. You're going to write for the new Carnival Cruise Lines commercial, which can be really great, <laughs> yeah. you know, use of your two hours, you know, because those are really lucrative. But sometimes you you come in and you're like, well, what do you feel like doing? I don't know what, what feels good. And at the time when that song was written, Hey Soul Sister uh, yeah. by Train was yeah. massive. And we're going on tour. Better Than Ezra's going on tour with them starting oh, July cool. 18th. First show is El Rey. Okay. All right. So we'll be here. <laughs> At but, some but, point, we will establish for this audience yes. that you are in Better Than Oh, yeah. Answer. I'm so sorry. We no, haven't done that yet. No, I like who, it. I like when we start in the middle who of the conversation. They're like, voice. why is this guy talking about this band? <laughs> no, wait. We're going to come back to that moment. But, but finish this one. I'm, I'm, I'm very Southern in a in, in that everything I say is usually long-winded answer Same. to your question. Same. Okay, good. I've had to work very, very hard to learn how to not be like, mm, yes, well, yeah. Because I grew up, <laughs> I grew up in church. I grew up in a southern church, so I'm like used to. And it is so annoying to listen to from a podcast host. So no, we're on I think the you're same doing page. Just fine. I'm, I'm being very quiet, but I'm but with you. For the, it started off very like, what's big right now? Hey, Soul Sisters really big, and Jason Mraz, I'm Yours had been really big. So I started playing this guitar part that is the the three chords of of uh, Stuck Like Glue by Sugarland. And that's what we played for two hours. And so, and then it, we even did this. When you hear the song, it's this, it starts off with this kind of homemade loop, a percussion loop. And that's just shy and I going, and then we'd say, oh, that's cool. We did like 20 tracks of the tapping on the guitar, you know, snapping. And then we made this collage. So we had this great. Uh, vehicle. We had this great chord progression, but we had no melody until we took a break. Sometime in life, the best thing to do, and I talk about this in the book, and and also when you write a book, I hate it when I listen to a podcast and this person keeps coming back to their book like, okay, we get it. You're trying to sell a book, but I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, that, that, you know, you always have to, uh, you ha- always have to just approach it different ways, mm, you know. That's so, great. Um, you know, but with Stuck Like Glue, you know, uh, Shy came back um, after the break. Taking a break was so important, and he went outside and uh, and became elevated. Mm-hmm. And then I just had to seize the moment and and adding, you know, changing my attitude. Like, okay, it wasn't working with the percussion stuff we were doing. It wasn't working with the guitar. Maybe if we add some technology to it to to give us a boost, you know. And so that's just I'm always looking. How do I catch that magic? Yeah. You know, and and life for me. Has always been about how do I keep because how do I keep through my life how do I keep learning more tools to keep evolving and keep getting better because as I, as I get older I realize it can't be a passive thing it's got to have intent I've got to seek inspiration I've got to seek growth the good news is that it's out there yeah. and, and then I've learned um, that you don't have a second act or a third act but you can have a fourth act and a fifth act and and so I I'm a big fan of the people that do that and I study them. I love the reminder too for the audience 
of this is great coffee. It. Yeah. Oh my god. Right, Verve. I'm if everything you. goes awry, you I can know. just shut up. Yeah. Just, just a little just, pop just, up. We'll just sit here and drink coffee. Rachel's. Yeah, what about Rachel's Joe? I would. Okay, that's actually a huh? great title. Rachel's Rachel's um, Joe. Right. <laughs> See. <laughs> we got it's like, it. It's like Ruth's Chris. Yeah, Ruth's you're right. Chris Steakhouse. You're like, right. Where, where did that come from? It does make the most sense for me to start a coffee line. I'm not gonna lie. First one's for free. That's okay, free. I don't want a piece of it. The rest, yeah, I'll pay for ten percent. It's such a good reminder to approach it from different angles. And I think this in every area of your mm-hmm. life. I remember when I first had kids, uh, my first son, like, you don't know what you're doing. You're trying to figure it out. You're trying. And I, it's like working with a computer where you get so mad at the computer because it's not doing what you want it to do. The computer always knows what it's doing. Yeah. You're the idiot. Like, you're the one who can't figure out how to work the computer. The baby was the same way. He knew exactly what he wanted. He wanted to eat or his diaper was dirty. And I would be like, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. And it was really about slowing down, taking a step back, and trying to look at it from a different angle. Yeah. I do this in business all the time. Because I started as an entrepreneur, I'm really good at and or bad at Oh, I'll just do that. I know how to do that yeah. thing. It's not the best use of my time always. I was joking with Jack that I spent four hours yesterday trying to figure out a business thing. And at the end of it, I genuinely was close to crying because I was like, I am a smart woman. Why can't I figure this out? Yeah. And then I was like, Rage, there are just people all over the place who would be happy to let you pay them to do this thing yeah. that is their skill that they can do in six minutes what just what you couldn't figure out in four hours. So it's like I will inadvertently keep beating my head oh, against a wall. Your head. Yeah. Instead of just like, let's stop, let's take a step back and let's look at this from fifty thousand feet instead of inside the trees. Exactly. Songwriting, collaborating. Is has been the biggest gift for me. And that's what that's what I'd start my when I do speeches. It's all about collaboration. How that changed my life. How when I when I and there's a theme through that through the book and through my life. And it's always it's it's checking my ego because my ego tells me I can do this. I don't need anybody's help. You know, I've got this far. You know, I just I just need to keep pounding away. And then, as a friend once told me, he said his name's a guy named Shane Sawyer, and he's in the book. And he's he's like the Sam Elliott of Nashville. And yeah. He said one time he went he went, uh, Kevin, my ego is not my amigo. <laughs> and and I was like, oh my god, that's so brilliant. I hate you. It's so good. <laughs> but like you like like you said, we're all talented. We all have we all have gifts. But when we sit back and say, hey, I've taken this as far as I can. I need help. If it's in business, there's all these talented people around me. Yep. Let me utilize them. Or this, I put this songwriting group together. I've got the best top liner, which means the person who comes up with melodies, the best lyricist in the business, the best producer. But I'm trying to control this songwriting session because I want them to hear my idea. But when I sit back and let the idea, the song, dictate the the momentum, that's when you get a hit song and, and in business as well. So it's 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 all about being confident and surrounding yourself with talented people and then listening that practicing yeah. that law sort of listening half the battle sometimes is just like i'm just i'm doing my thing yeah. where i'm pounding like you said i'm 4 hours with the computer or something sometimes the best idea is to take a break yeah it's like every away. day when i do my wordle do you, are you a wordle person uh, of course i'm a oh, wordle person I'm a, we, we can mean, get on a wordle group yeah and it's on it. it i'm in it with my two teenagers and my boyfriend we're all in we're, oh, yeah. we have a group called wordle turtles we if have, anyone we wants have, to join ours is nerdle <laughs> and now it's we, we we do point weekly points 
and now, there, now there's a Starbucks gift card every because I, one of my old road manager and John, you're probably going to be listening in Manhattan Beach. He created like if you get it, if you get the first, if you just guess it, you get six points. Then if you get in two, you get five, four, three, two, one. If you skip a day, you get minus two. Okay. It's getting militant, and then the monthly winner gets a twenty five dollar gift card. Wait, courtesy. did y'all make up this point system or Wordle? John gives you Isbell the did. Okay, John okay, is the, great. John is the uh, Yes. Okay. Fantastic. I'm. I want to get in on this because we'll we'll definitely do oh, it I'll based it, on. It's a whole Excel okay. spreadsheet. Okay. Okay. We'll turn you on. We'll, we'll, please. But, do you play uh, Quirtle? Oh, I do not. That's too deep. No, too it's it, oh, my, see, every once in a while when you need to shut your brain off, that'll be the. I'm like, okay, we're gonna go from Wordle to Quirtle. So is Quirtle? It's four. Easier. It's four. It seems... It's four, but the interesting, it, you'd have to play it one time to see how it shows up. You only get a certain amount of guesses, right? but it counts on all four boxes. Uh, you know what? So you need to get one word in one box in order. You I'm, might give you know it what? J- just see, this is this is the big magic because I'm having dinner with a group of people, big quartal people. And the fact that you said right. it is just pushing me The universe me over the is edge. trying to tell you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, you need to magic. take that on. Ha- um, last one. Have you done the one that's music? I have not. It feels like this would be up your oh alley. And I can't remember what it's called, but of course it's some play. Do you know it, Jack? It's some play on Noodle? Wordle. I don't, but it's essentially, it plays you like three seconds of a song. Oh my God. And, and then I need three to, more seconds. And I need to say, and you have if to say I get it in the first is. three seconds, then I get certain points. Exactly. I love and that you're I like, it's but where girl. are my points? Where What are what are the points involved? I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, yes, I'm, I'm a Wordle person. Oh God. No, but the point is, <laughs> So often, like if I'm like, oh, I'll start the morning and I'll I'll do my my aside or um, arise is my usual usual uh, opening mine word. Speak, speak. Yeah, dream is sometimes mine. Uh, also, my boo does audio because you get audio all is a great the vowels. One. Audio is a, yeah. audio is is too smart for me. Yeah, I use it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I do. I it feels like a little bit like oh, come on. Have you, you ever gotten Wordle in one? No, but I've I dream of the day. What was, was the word? I was playing somebody. It was our sound man. And and I showed them in the game. And for the next two weeks, he beat me every time, like two and three. And I was convinced he was cheating. And the word doubt popped into my head. And I typed in that day, doubt. And I got it in one. <laughs> and that's how I did it. But the point was I was going to make is sometimes like... I'll come out. I'll come out with you know a rise, and then I'll do another word, and I can't figure it out. And what happens if I if I force it? Then I do the third word. I get I don't get anything, and I've repeated a letter that was in the wrong space just because I wasn't taking my time. Yeah. So when I take a break, and you know, around three p.m., four p.m., I'm like, oh, I haven't finished my word or the, you know, then I come back and it's obvious. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, totally. So taking a break is just is key. To me, being healthy is really grounded in nutrition. Honestly, what I eat and what my kids eat is super important to how we live our lives. It's why I love a company like Thrive Market, because Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories. So when I go online and I use their on-site filters, I can figure out exactly my lifestyle needs and trust that what I'm getting from Thrive Market is what I want to take into my body. When you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. 
You can join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash rach for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash rach thrivemarket.com slash rach. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Last summer, I went to Nashville quite a few times and did some um, group songwriting sessions just because it was a goal of mine to write in oh, every category. Well, why didn't you call your friend Kevin? Well, I we're new friends now. Okay. If I ever head back, I definitely will. But I think what was the coolest part of that process was genuinely what I learned by sitting in rooms with people who had very big egos about what it was supposed to be. And these yeah. were not major. Mm -hmm. This was just like up and coming where I'm like, who are you? But yeah. they came in with a very specific idea. And I remember when I was reading the book, the scene where he goes in, maybe it's like the first time he does a songwriting it is. session. It's with Breed Kanuka. By they, the way, the audible version, I do all the voices. Do you? Oh, I do women's fantastic. voices. I do British voices. All my British <laughs> friends are like, mate, you need. Well, and there, there I am. I'm an Australian yeah. accent. Yeah. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, it's I, th I, from I thought oh. this when I was reading this chapter is when you, for me, that I would walk into the room and be working with someone who was like, no, it's this is the yeah. chorus or this is the line. And it was so surprising to me because I was imagining this big collaborative thing. And I thought, OK, well, what I get to learn today mm -hmm. is how to take someone's very specific idea and create lyrics around exactly what it is they want to That's do. That's interesting. You know, that that may have been someone who who just had the money, the money idea, you know, and they were just going to push it. Oh, More ch chances are, though, <laughs> it just wasn't the greatest session. You yeah, know? yeah. You no, know, it wasn't. You know, chances really, are because, yeah. because the, the, the best ones happen when it's just this loose, everyone's hanging out. You're not even thinking about writing a song. You're just yeah. you're talking about Wordle. Then someone plays some something or someone has, you know, I had this idea for a lyric or, man, I just love this beat or something. And that, when that happens, that's when it's magic. Yeah. You know, and, and I've all the, the book, it, it all comes from doing it the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, re and realizing, right. like, oh, this is when it worked. And when, you know, and I, I'm a type A person, you know, and, and life gets you, it's hopefully at some point you get enough self awareness. I know I did to, to where I realized, like, my, my, self-will and my ego got me to a point and then it stopped working and I just kind of hit this professionally and personally I was just hitting a wall and I realized like you need to you're just you've got talents but you're just another person on the earth mm -hmm. you know and what works for other people to be consistently successful and happy and healthy will work for you so listen 
you know, yeah. and, and, and not only in, in, in a songwriting session, but also personally and in, in listening and in collaboration. And that's, and all the time I've had to, I, 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 it's so funny. I'll be like in the songwriting session last week, I was like, you're not even listening to the book you wrote. You're trying to control it. And you're trying to want that idea that clearly Kevin, no one has reacted to. Yeah. There's something in Nashville we call the Nashville no. Ooh. And it's just when you have an when idea. And they're like, can we, we it, can beat that. It's, it's, it's when you have an idea and you're like, well, what about uh, drinking that drinking that fireball nice and slow? And you say it one time and nobody <laughs> notices, nobody reacts. And you're like, that's a, fuck that, that's a good idea. And then you're like, what about drinking that fireball nice and slow? And then you, and then, and then the, the other, say it's three people, the other two people just keep talking. They maybe they just acknowledge you as somebody in the room, but they don't acknowledge. Then you're like, they're giving me the Nashville no. Yeah. One time it was so embarrassing. You, you're never successful enough in life. There's always one moment where you get put in your place. And I was with this guy named James Slater and this kid named Andy Bell. I think that's his name. And I had this idea, this lyric, and I just kept saying it. I was not heeding the Nashville no. The Nashville no is just no reaction. Right. And, it, and then James turned to me and he, and, Ke and he went, Kevin, let it go. And I was like, oh, it just crushed me. I was like, oh my God, they were giving me that. You're right. It does suck. God damn it. You know? Yeah. So Yeah. But it's it's always learning. It's always yeah, learning. It's always sure. figuring it out, and and uh, yeah, and that's what keeps it interesting. I think the the older that I get, the more I understand when things are too hard. When you're mm -hmm. trying to force it, it's not supposed to be that way. Yeah. Like when you lean into flow, it always works out better. And I'm a person similarly to what you said, like. The work ethic got me here, the ego, the drive, like all these things got me here. And so I'll f try and force it. I'll try yeah. and like push this into a direction. But if I will just listen to that as sort of a sign of like, no, nope, not over here, turn slightly, it always works out better. It really does. But sometimes the process of learning that, realizing that can be painful, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I realize that when I'm doing the things I know I need to do, that I've learned to do, I was I just didn't figure it out on my own, that all these serendipitous things happen in my life. I attract people in my life that are great for me personally and professionally. Ideas work because I'm aligning myself with good people. Yeah. You know, and and then it gives it really validates that there is, and I don't know what to call it, whatever you subscribe it to, there is just an, a flow of energy that mm -hmm. if you just follow that and don't bash your head against it and you go with it, it really Sir, it it really pays off. Yeah, it is the theme that I hear over and over and over from people that I sit with who they're not a flash in the pan. They're decades long career mm. and their career might shift and augment and become something different and evolve. But the ones who have stood the test of time have that story over and over and over of just sort of like being passionate about what they were doing, saying yes yeah. being open and kind of following organically what was just working really well for them. It, how it, did, how did, or what did that look like for you? I mean, th this will be the point where we establish the fact that you were in this band, that yes. you're still touring, that you're doing this thing that everybody knows 
your most famous song, oh, at sure. least if you're my age. This was the song of like yeah. a summer in summer yeah. of 1995. Right. Like it really <laughs> was. When I speak of the 90s, I was going to a voice of an old Civil War general, <laughs> Aloysius Dubois. <laughs> I don't know why. Which really feels like 95 to me. But how did that even come? Let's start there. Like, how did that come to be? How did you end up in this band? Did you did the- start it? I was, I was, a, you know, I always played music my entire life since the day my, my father brought home. My dad loved music, but he wasn't an a, a audiophile. He brought home to me and my older brother these five albums. And they were Elton John, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Wow. Led Zeppelin, House of the Holy. Um, Stevie Wonder, Inner Visions. Sly and the Family Stone. I don't know the name of it. It's the one where Sly's in the black leather outfit. He's doing a karate move across a white background. Grand Funk Railroad, We're an American Band. Okay. Which wasn't on that level, but it did have We're an American Band. Though when you open the album, they are all naked, hidden behind hay bales with strategically placed American flags. Nice. And then it was that was it. But since those five albums, my uh, I've always, you know, loved music and always in second grade I was I was in a band. So I was always in bands through high school and college. And in my junior year of college, we started Better Than Ezra. And we, we were just playing frat parties and college parties. And we were lucky enough to be on this, this musical circuit that has been around since the 50s. And it's that circuit of at big SEC schools in the southeastern part of the U.S. It's, it's, uh, it's Vanderbilt, UGA, University of Georgia, uh, Alabama, uh, Old Miss, Mississippi State. Louisiana State University, and just playing those clubs, playing those frat houses, those sorority parties. It goes back to Sam and Dave, Otis Redding, um, the B-52s, R.E.M., um, the Connells, Driving and Crying, Better Than Ezra. And so we just cut, we just went out and cut our teeth playing music, learning how to entertain people with a lot of covers, and then we started doing our own originals. Better Than Ezra has been a great... Uh, like a blueprint for my career. Nothing has come easy. Mm. We started in 1988. Uh, it wasn't until 95 that we got signed. That's um, cool. Good Wah-Ah was written in 1990. So it was five years of playing that song. And we played, we moved Stop. out here. We were really? originally a four-piece. And in, uh, in 1990, our a close friend and our guitarist committed suicide. He mm. passed away. And when that happened, I just needed. I graduated LSU. I wanted to get out of Baton Rouge, and I, I went and I went and lived in Aspen for a year. And I was the Apri ski guy in Aspen, and and I've like and I, dream. it was the I played three nights a week. Oh my God, I made a hundred dollars cash a night. Yes, and I worked four days a week on top of Snowmass Mountain, Gwen's High Alpine Run, the High Alpine Run. Are you it a was skier? The, I was oh then. I got God. the job three days before the season started, and that was a blue blue run accessible restaurant where I was working. But that, uh, so I lived up in Aspen. It was the greatest. How we could fun. do a whole podcast about oh, you know, just bet. being the ski bum for a year. But then I moved out to LA and I lived in West Hollywood, and I was uh, a bartender at Border Grill out in Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. I was I was in the mailroom at CAA. I did all these different things, but my band came out and we made that first album in 93 in uh, an apartment on South Flores, just down from Kings Road Cafe, and on half-inch tape. So if anybody knows our recording, it was really hobbyist-quality tape. And uh, and then we went back down south, and we got back in the van, and, 
in suddenly in 94 South by Southwest, which is the big, you know, music mm -hmm. festival, tech yeah. festival now, uh, we were the band to see. So after six years of being kind of passed over, suddenly we were the band. And uh, in February, February 8th, 95, we signed our deal with Electra Records and we already had a number one. Wow. And so that's kind of how it started for Well, us. that song, maybe this is, I'm making this up in my memories, but I feel like it was in a movie. Oh, the Babysitter's Club. That's why I know it. I knew it was. The yes, it was. I was like, wait, this, there is something about this song that is like such a specific summer yeah. in my childhood. Oh my gosh, yes. That's what it is. And yeah, honestly, I'm 40. So there's nothing that was cooler to me at in, than that movie at yeah. that very specific time in my life. So that, it is the, it's the soundtrack of my the Babysitter's Club was it. Years. Uh, well, I'm so glad. You know, I love hearing that. And now more than ever, the biggest compliment or the biggest validation for what I do, and other songwriters will tell you this, is when people come up to you and they say, I know this probably sounds stupid, but your music reminds me of this road trip I took with my girlfriend. Or when my first dance or our, you know, what we dance, our first dance when we were married. And I'm like, that's the biggest validation that I get to be part of your life, yeah, that cool. soundtrack of your life. So that's like, I've done something right, yeah, you know, that's cool. but good came out. And for that summer, you know, for nine weeks, you know, and that was also uh, where we got Norm MacDonald's mentioning of Better Than Ezra in his famous uh, weekend update. When Norm MacDonald passed away a couple of years ago, yeah. they did the top five Norm MacDonald bits and a famous one on weekend update. Norm MacDonald said this summer, on college campuses, the number one band was better than Ezra. Number two, Ezra. <laughs> but if you're if you're Norm Macdonald, then you would get the, yes, the, the yeah. humor. But uh, it was a great time, and that launched us. You know, yeah. that launched the band, and we put out two more albums. Then in 2002, we got dropped. You know, in seven short years, uh, we went from I went from being able to do the only thing I wanted to do with getting a record deal was pay off my Discover card. <laughs> That was the only what, thing. What was the balance? It was eighteen thousand okay. dollars. It was oh my god! Back in the back in the eighties and nineties, Discover was like they were just like guerrilla warfare, getting <laughs> poor coeds to Aww. to get credit cards. And oh, I did, but I was able to do that, and and you know, and it was a great time. But you know, two thousand two, it's all it's all connected. You know, we got dropped, and I was thinking about I was like oh, I'm thirty now. I'm in a band that's been dropped that was popular in the last century. Do I quit music? Do I go to do I go, go to law school? But I was like, no, I love music, but I got to do something different. Electra would have kept us if we had been what they thought. If it was worth to pick up our fourth option, you know, for, for our fourth yeah. album. And these words that my dad always would say to me came to me. Um, and he would always say, Kevin, he's, he would say two things. One is lazy man works twice as hard. Anytime I did something half-assed, he'd always say, and I'd have to do it again. He would always say, lazy man works twice as hard, Kevin. And I'm like, oh, God, you're right. <laughs> now when I say that to my kids, they hate me oh, as much I as bet. I hate my dad. I bet. But what, but he, what he said was, he said, Kevin, nothing changes if nothing changes. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I have to do something different. So I started, and that's really where the book started, and that's what really changed my whole life career-wise. Um, I started studying the great songwriters and producers. And even then, 
uh, Max Martin, who had done Baby Hit Me One More Time and yeah. all the NSYNC stuff. And now he's doing, you know, uh, Miley Cyrus and you, you name it. Even then, I was watching how they were his team was collaborating in, in Stockholm. And Pharrell and Chad Hugo, who were the Neptunes, you know, in Virginia Beach, they, how would they, way, the way they were working, collaborating. And then I was reading books, business books, Jack Welch, and, and I was like, wait, there's, it's music and business. It's all, they're all doing the same thing. And right about that time, I met somebody who would change my life, um, the course of my career, and it was Meatloaf. Shut up. The rock and roll legend who yeah. sold. Uh, I freaking love Meatloaf. Meatloaf. Oh, I got to meet him once. We long could ago. do. I love. I can do. I can regale you. Out of you. hell? Are you kidding? Bad out of hell? Oh, do you want to sing? On. Well, I remember that little day. We could do an acapella I Paradise by the Dashboard. I, you be Carla Devito. Yeah. I'll be yes, Meatloaf. Yes. Well, we shouldn't because <laughs> I don't have the voice for it. But I have told my kids if there's any. Like, I get to wave a magic wand. This is so lame, but this is true. I love if it. If I could wave a magic wand and I get to perform one song perfectly, mm-hmm. I want to do, I should want to do the whole song, but I mm. want to do the woman's vocal, and I don't know her name, from uh, I'd Do Anything for Love, but I won't do that. Will oh, yeah. you raise me up with that one? I would do it. Yes, but you know, she comes love. in at the end because the whole time he's like, I'll do anything, I'll do it. And she's like, Well, will you do this? Mm-hmm. Yes, that yes, moment. Will. That's a Diane Warren song, by the way. Ugh, the best. Yeah, and then so, they ride away on the motorcycle in the video. It's the greatest. I mean, Meatloaf, Meatloaf, you know, 100 million albums sold. He was in Rocky Heart Picture Show. He was in Fight Club. He was in Fight he Club. He was the real heartthrob in Fight Club. Honestly, not Brad that Pitt. body forever. But that was the first time I ever collaborated. I, I, I was in this not far from where we are. Um, at the corner of St. Andrews and Melrose, there's, there's a studio called Conway. And it, for, since the 70s, has been the, the mecca for, for the, the biggest artists in the world to come there to record. Behind these 30-foot walls um, and these terra and Spanish tile, you know, capitalist Spanish tiles are these manicured gardens and, and bougainvillea and all this kind of stuff. And there's these three studios. And, and when I was there in 2003, Justin Timberlake was making his first record justified no one thought it was going to be any good no one remembers that no one gave him any chance right. to go from NSYNC to, to, right. to the stardom he had I was a bigger fan of JC I'm not going to lie oh, JC Sanjay <laughs> the bad boy like he the was ba- I the ba- he everybody likes the bad boy yeah I mean at first and then they then, first, yeah and then, then you realize the bad boys plus also Justin well. figured out he needed to not have the, that hair the, the hair and, and the double ass yes, wash yeah, we call that a Tennessee yeah. tuxedo mm-hmm, mm-hmm. head to toe denim but he was in a – Ezra was making – better than Ezra was making – we were mixing an album, and Meatloaf was in the uh, Studio C. And I got asked by his manager, a famous guy named Alan Kovac, who managed the Bee Gees at the time and Blondie and Motley Crue, hey, Meat heard one of your songs. Would you would you collaborate with him? And cool. my first instinct was – at first I thought no because I'd always done everything myself. My ego said, you don't need to, you don't trust collaboration. It hasn't passed that internal litmus test. But then my, that was words of my dad. I love this question, you know, um, uh, nothing changes if nothing changes. So I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And two hours later, I went to his green room and I I swear I thought it was going to be like, he was a very harlequin, very dramatic guy. I Mm. I knew I was going to walk in and there's going to be like old school, dry ice fog on the floor, like, and look like a, like a high school production of Phantom of the Opera right. or something. But it was just him. 
And he was this cool guy from East Texas. And we wrote this song called Testify. It was us trying, it was me trying to write a Jim Steinman song who wrote all those bad out of hell songs. Cool. And that song ended up, did, did nothing in the US, but worldwide it did great. And, and then I wrote a single for Blondie. I wrote with the with Barry Gibb. We didn't, our song wasn't any good, but oh, I got to but hang you out. You got with, to hang out with Barry Gibb. Gibb. That's amazing. One thing I realized when I worked with Barry was that how high a man can sing is directly proportional to the amount of chest hair he has. And Barry Gibb has like the Muir Redwoods on his yeah. chest. It's like the most verdant, lush chest of hair. And he oh, can hit man. the highest notes. But 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 that opened my eyes to collaboration. And that's why, you know, that's why the book starts with collaboration. And that's how that's when my life really exploded. And and in two years, I was doing better. When I thought my career was over, because of this fortuitous meeting with Meatloaf and other things, suddenly I was doing better than I ever had. And that kind of became the the, uh, the blueprint for how I was going to live my life. Like, hey, I've got a great idea. i got to surround myself with talented people. Yeah. You know, whether it's songwriting or a publishing company or, you know, we're about to have our ninth uh Festival. festival. I started yeah. pilgrimage festival. Where we, yeah. You know, and we've had amazing. We've had JT. We've had Foo Fighters. Chris yeah. Stapleton. But that was like, hey, me and my buddies, we got this idea, but we need help. You know, and 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 surrounding yourself with great people and and sitting and listening. You know, it's not. You know, so the lost art of listening is key. Well, I wonder too how many people miss out on the opportunity to have expansive cool evolutionary style careers because their ego tells them well if you can't continue to be the number one band on the radio right. if you can't continue to be this guy in this band then you should just remove yourself completely because you're not that thing which like how many people get it in their head yeah. that you have to be only this on a on a smaller scale if you look at somebody who's like an influencer or an author or like my example is always the book that everybody knows me for mm -hmm. is my sixth book. Right. There were five that before that that nobody gave a crap about. And it was like if my ego had been in charge of that, I would have stopped writing right away. Right. Because I, I would have thought, oh, if I can't make the bestseller list or if I can't do this, that or the other thing, then I don't deserve to be here. Or I shouldn't be trying. I think that most people follow that path. Most people are like, I'm this. I I was Kevin Griffin in this band. I've got to do this, you know. And then you then what happens in, in in life as you go on, there's always this little this little creature that's 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 just simmering and it's it's being cynical and getting jaded. You know, and that wide eyed wonder and optimism that you have when you're a kid, you know, I use that the quote at the beginning of the book, um, the Picasso quote, we're all born artists, but the challenge is how do we stay artists as we grow older? Mm -hmm. Or put another way, like how do you grow into your creativity as opposed to out of it? What I realized is that, okay, I'm going to keep being a musician, but I've got to do other things. And unless you're, I wish I was Chris Martin, in Coldplay. Me I wish too. I could be in that band. Me too. I know. You know, or, or you know, Green Day, or insert some band that just managed to keep being big and that you could only do that. I wasn't that guy. You know, I, my band had a moment, we're, we're, and, and, and it's great, but I needed to do other things. And, and, and kind of like what I talked about, that's why I kind of learned, I was like, I've got to do, nothing changes and nothing changes. 
And I, I remember, but it, it wasn't always painless. I remember working uh, with Howie Day and we wrote a song called Collide together. And I remember, and I knew, and I knew he was a better vehicle for this song than my band. And I was like, and I, and we had written the song and it was, it, we had recorded the vocal and it was time to put the demo together. And he said, Hey man, I'm going to go have dinner. Just let me know when it's finished. And he left the studio. This was like 2005. I was still very full of Kevin Griffin. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, oh, that stings. But yes, I'm going to, I'm going to sit here and, and finish. And what I realized is that when you sit back and say, okay, I'm not, I'm still doing the thing I initially did, but I'm also doing these other things. And what you you realize that in life, there's all these different paths to reach the goal you ultimately want to mm-hmm. get to. And again, there are the exceptions that you got one path, but most of us have to have a lot of different irons in the fire. So what are, so by writing for other people, it's, it, it makes people remember Kevin Griffin, the artist yeah. or better than Ezra by doing a, doing a festival uh, people remember, oh, better than Ezra, you know, by publishing, you know, people, people remember that, oh, well, he, he's a, the guy that owns that publishing game is also a songwriter too. Yeah. So everything just works together, Absolutely. And, you know, and, and like what you, like what you mentioned, you know, with your book, it being the sixth one, you're like, there's a whole body of work that took to get to that point. Absolutely. Um, but, but I always want to define myself by, like I said, living in yes. I always wanted to be the person in the room that says, yes, that's a great idea. Let's figure out how it works. I don't want to be the person whose flex in a situation is telling you why it won't work. Yeah. And and I love those people. I've got some very close people. That's what they do. Yeah, and I'm that's always, their job. And I tell them, oh, my God, you're so negative. Don't do that. But we need that in an account. I know we do. <laughs> we do. And I just can't be that guy. Yeah. And we do need that that man or that woman. Yeah. Or and uh, but but I'm always like, and it's just it's just served me well, you know. Um, and then ultimately, you know, you figure, will this really work? You know. But um, until it quits working, I'm just going to keep saying yes yeah. and like, hey, that's a great idea. Let's figure out how it can work. And yeah. what are the challenges? Yeah, it's the yes and. Yes. Lots of people are no, but Ooh. it's yes and. Is, is that it, in one of your books? No, it's a theater term. So oh, when you, I grew God. up doing theater, and the idea is that if you want to be a great collaborator with someone on stage, you approach everything as yes and. So whatever they're serving you, yes and. Let's also as opposed to yeah. yes but. Exactly. Oh, yeah. God, so it's a good. or no, which is also a bummer Yay. to hear. How did you go from collaborating with Meatloaf mm-hmm. to starting a music festival? Well, another uh, instance of uh, conversations uh, that happened in a bar. <laughs> yep, I like well, this. Well, you know, I've, I've got these two buddies, a guy named Michael Whalen and Brantwood. We've always been pals, you know, for, you know, since the mid-90s. Um, and we'd always talked about, hey, we got to do our, we got to just like, hey, I want to do a book. Another thing we wanted to do was like, we want to do a music festival. So, and we talked about it, but we just didn't know how to do do how to do it. We'd all grown up in New Orleans going to New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival, which was this amazing one-of-a-kind festival that's multi-genre. It's family-friendly, but it's cool. It has the best food, artisans, merchants, and it's just this deep-dive celebration of the Gulf Coast in New Orleans. And we knew we wanted to do something like that. So that was simmering. And uh, the day after Thanksgiving, 
I was in Franklin, Tennessee. It was that Friday. I was 20 By the way, anyone who says they live in Nashville lives in Franklin. Uh, right. Let's be like anybody who's in the industry, they're always on the show like, I live in Nashville. Well, specifically Franklin. Franklin I'm Tennessee. Like, that's but just where you live. Oh, yes. it's the best. You know, I, I was living in I was living in LA. Oh, you know, okay. And, uh, when did you move to Nashville? I, I moved in December of 2010. Okay. Because I went down to Franklin, I saw three acres in downtown yeah, Franklin, so pretty. and I was in a cool house in Silver Lake. But I was like, uh, uh-uh. uh, and I had toddlers at the time. Yeah. And the house I was in was like a death trap yeah. for toddlers. You were like, Let's. So it was the day after Thanksgiving, 2013, and I was like, I got to go run. Uh, you know, this tryptophan is killing me. <laughs> and so I, I speak this. It was the first moment of serendipity. I always run south from my house to this. Jim Warren Park. Um, but for some reason, I ran north and I ran a mile and a half through town and I ended up at Harlandsdale Farm, which is this 250 acre farm in the center of Franklin, Tennessee. And it's a, it's a former Tennessee walking horse farm. Um, it's beautiful buildings and, and barns on the historic register. And I was catching my breath and I stood up and it's not, it's not writer's embellishment. Literally, the sun came out from behind the clouds. It was this beautiful late November day, and I was like, oh, my God, this is the most beautiful setting for a festival I've ever seen. Rolling hills, natural amphitheaters, and I was like, the festival, the New Orleans idea that – and I ran back, and I called both my buddies, Michael and Brandt. I was like, you know that idea we always talk about? I found the place. And and they were both like, let's do it. So that began in uh, in November of 2013 – what what ended up being forty six different PowerPoint decks <laughs> to uh, to board of aldermen and mayors and and, and uh, city managers and having uh, mint tea and cucumber sandwiches with eighty year old uh, you know aldermen you know and and I realized and and selling the dream I guess the biggest I the biggest moment was when I went like so many great ideas you sit down and you go to GoDaddy. You go to or whatever it <laughs> yes, is you do, and you type that name in. And yes. I went, pilgrimagefestival.com, click, available. And I was yes. like, yes. And I, so Pilgrimage was the name of the of the tour of Annabellum Homes every year in Natchez, Mississippi. Got it. So Natchez, Mississippi is on the Mississippi River and still has these amazing estates, these beautiful Annabellum Homes. And I grew up, went to high school in Monroe, Louisiana. And when I went to LSU, I would always drive through Faraday, the home of Jerry Lewis, Jerry, Jerry Lee Lewis, and also Natchez. And so I was, pilgrimage was just this word I love. So that's where the name came from. But after a year and a half, we had our first festival. And, and, and it was really, we took the DNA of what we loved about New Orleans. We surrounded ourselves with talented people. Like we didn't know, we weren't a talent booker. We weren't an op set. We, we put this great a la carte team together. And in 2015, we had our first festival. We had Willie Nelson, Cage the Elephant, Wilco, Band of hold Horses, Doctor John. Because you knew these people, because you had a budget. When you like... when you start a festival, you got to have your act together, and everybody, all the agents look at you kind of circumspect because, like, you're just right. how, many, fir- how many festivals Fest. have we heard? <laughs> right, right. Firefest hadn't happened. I know, I know. Jesus, that was and everybody, all my friends, are like, you're not Firefest, are right, you? Right, <laughs> right. Um, but 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 what our our talent booker we book it with the three of us book it with a guy named Jay Sweet, and Jay Sweet is known for he's an amazing guy, super big personality. But he does Newport Folk Festival and Newport Jazz Festival. Got it. So he was a rep, reputable, very lauded talent booker, so very respected. And he said he goes, guys, I love the idea for this. This is going to work, but 
we need the meat. And we're like, what do you mean? He goes, he goes, we need the first artist that will be the meat that will attract all the other artists. Yes. And the first artist we booked was Dr. John. No way. Yeah. Oh, Dr. The legendary Mac. I got to see him perform at oh, Hollywood Bowl once oh my God, years so ago. Lucky. It was Dr. John and BB King, and it was one of my top what ten concerts. A show. Yeah, it was freaking incredible. That's amazing. Yeah. So, but but once we got, and and the idea with pilgrimage was like, hey, let's, you know, we were kind of ahead of the curve because we re- there's Bottle Rock now in Napa and uh, Bourbon and Beyond, but we were the first festival to say, hey. There's a whole group of people who went to Bonnaroo, to ACL, to Lala, to Coachella, and they partied and stuff. But now they're older. They have yeah. kids. They have little means. They they want something that's cool and and edgy and everything challenging musical, yeah. but they also have kids. Right. And, and a cool musical festival and, and family-friendly aren't mutually exclusive. Yeah. Let's put it together and make a something for 30 and up. We got to meet Dr. John, and once people knew Dr. John is yeah. on your festival, that's when we got Dawes, then Band of Horses, then Willie Nelson. Year two, we had Beck and Hall and & Oates and Jason Nisbell. Year three, so we had cool. Justin Timberlake, Eddie Vedder. We've had the Foo Fighters, the Killers, Chris Did, Stapleton. Just like business question here. Oh, yeah. Did you have big financial backing? Like how do no. you get bands like that? We lost our ass. Oh, i sure. <laughs> Oh, my God. Like when we first started doing events and it was just me and a couple other speakers, my God. God, did oh, I lose money? It I was can't a imagine femoral if it was... artery cut of blood uh, of money loss. I, I mean, was that your plan? It was not. And, okay. and everybody, everybody, all our friends who loved us, who were who worked at ACL, you know, and were at C three, they said, "Guys, don't do this." You know, they really <laughs> like you don't and, know and, what you're doing. And so we were smart, but still, you think you're going to be different. Yeah. And what you what I tell people now, I'm like, whatever you think that minimum amount of people that you're going to draw that first event, you're going to throw, whatever that one that you would accept, cut that in half. hundred percent. That's that, really good advice, And actually. that's what's really going to happen. Mm-hmm. Because even though it's a great idea and it might be a peerless, bulletproof idea, you know, just like anything new, like a book or a podcast – you're in your world, you're promoting it and marketing. Everybody's got to know about it. Yep. They don't. Yep. And it takes three years yeah. or so. So it took us three years. We lost our ass year one. We lost our ass year two. There were moments when I would just sleepless. I was like, all the deposits are due tomorrow. We don't have any money. I'm going to be tarred and feathered and run out yes. of I've sold tickets to everybody I know. Yeah. Um, but Things again, that serendipity, you know, the serendipity of all this infrastructure coming in to um, the farm, digital, what is it, a fiber coming in, all these things we needed. A happenstance meeting with uh, Justin Timberlake's good friend, Trace Ayala, after our second year, and and me saying, hey, would Justin ever want to perform at Pilgrimage? Not only that, would he want to partner up with us? You know, all these things just happened. And I was also, at the same time, I was also just, just my life had I'd done a 180. You know, I I had gotten sober. You know, I and I was I was never a heavy drinker, but I was just like, hey, I'm 45. This being hungover isn't cool. Yeah. And and so, but I just kept doing the same thing. So I did what I needed to do to just to stop drinking. And all these things in my life started changing. And now when I realized things that weren't working in my life started working. Mm. And I'm um, talking about that flow yes, of life. I just said this on a podcast recently that I didn't understand earlier in life how a, a block in one area of your life 
can block energy oh to gosh. other things. Like yeah. you're trying to pursue a goal or a dream and you keep working at it, working at it, working at it professionally, let's say. Not understanding that when you solve the the block in your relationship yeah. or when you work through some stuff with your mama from your childhood or whatever, when you resolve those things, it's like whew, yeah. the energy starts coming into other areas, which is so counterintuitive to anything I would have thought, but I've seen it happen again and again. Exactly. When you when you get rid of, because you can't if it's still inside you. You know, if you have that energy in you, it's going to come out. It's just it's it's the obvious thing when you've when you've had a bad day at work and you're stressed out. You're going to be short with your kids. Mm-hmm. You know, when when I'm holding on to resentments or trauma in my life, it's going to show up in the way I work and react in my relationships and business. When I have something in my life that I'm just that causes self contempt, you know, it just affects other things. So yeah. when I when I around 2014, when right when the festival happened, you know, right when I started doing speeches and stuff, right when I decided, hey, you know. You don't drink a lot, but when you do, this is, isn't. You just don't. This isn't yeah. cool or sexy anymore. Yeah. So I just kind of like, I, I was like, I love my life. I'm so happy with so many things in my life, but not this mm. or not that. Mm. How do I change that? And how do I? It you know, at 45, you know, you think this is just the way it is, you know, and then you realize, wait a second, is there? Do I have friends who are living away and experiencing life better than me? Oh, they are. I want that. Yeah. You know. So, and then when I realized it was possible that two that that I could be with someone who was having a different spiritual experience of life, spiritual mean can mean whatever you want than me um, because of the way they're living was a real eye opener. And when I once I realized that all these things that are happening in my life that never did before success in music and business, personal, the festival, you know, working with people coming into my life, the serendipity of, it's crazy. You know, yeah. I don't know what you, what you want to call it, but I'm a f- massive believer in it because I've seen it. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I say all the time, stuff happens when stuff's already happening. Yeah. Like I just, I, I've, I've written about this, I've talked about it on the show, and I just had this conversation with my 16-year-old last week that in my career... I have always experienced the most success when I'm in a moment of success. Mm-hmm. So like I'm on Good Morning America to promote my second uh, best-selling book and in the green room at Good Morning America is when I get a call from Oprah's producers because they want me to open yeah. for her. Like it's always when something else is happening and for the longest time I couldn't figure that out and now I really do believe it's because energetically, we're vibrating higher. We're like putting out more and the universe is like, ooh, this yeah. person's got some good vibes. So you start attracting other stuff. And conversely, when you're not putting out right. good, you attract bad people, right. like bad things. Right. And 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 for the longest time, but the trick is though, that often we're having success despite that. Like when I was at my unhealthiest, I was crushing songwriting. I was very yes. successful, but I was like, I was living in LA yeah. and I was like, 
personally, how I feel about myself is not good. Right. I'm not healthy. I have things in my life, but I keep attracting. I was attracting bad collaborations and writers, bad opportunities, you know, and yeah. when I f- turn that around, and again, that was with the help of other people. And and it wasn't just like, I, by no means by any of this talk do I say like, I just did it, you know, yeah. you know, you have to go through your own, you have to go through it. Um, but when I went, got through it and started living and, and checking that ego and realizing, man, you're just another guy. You you have your talents. You know, you know, what works for other people will work for you. That's when life just, bam, just started popping, you know, yeah. in life. And so, but it's always, if I, I got to stay connected to that positivity, you know, and, and it's part of the book, but I, you know, I put that in, I put all the things that I read into my story. Right. You know, it's not like, right. you know, so, so when I say my book, the, the, the font of knowledge or whatever, yes. you know what I mean? When I stay in contact with that, that's when life is good. And, and it's, there's that saying progress, not perfection, mm-hmm. you know, every day, like just a little baby step. There's that saying, you know, how do you eat a whale? One, one bite, bite at a time, time. Yeah. you know, you know, you just do it. And, yeah. and I learned that, um, in my, in the song, how do I get to where I want to be? You know, it's in, in, in your life, especially when you're young, like, how do I get there? You just got to start. Yeah. And that's the hardest part. Just those little baby steps, writing a book, you know, I was like, I gotta, I gotta finish this book. And I got my Scrivener out. So that's yep. the software I was yep. using. And I was like, I'm going to write 500 words a day. Mm-hmm. And what I loved about that program, it would give me daily a daily tally of the words I wrote but I had to, it was a pull down menu it wouldn't just tell me so I'd start writing you know and I'd be like okay, I'm gonna write 500 words today and and sometimes I'd it'd be two hours would go by and it would be 123 yes! words I'm like, oh god yes! stop but yes. sometimes there'd be 3,500 words and so I, I realized a, a bite a day a bite a day yeah. and I I had an unfair advantage uh, of being a songwriter, because I, I got to see early on that something as silly as wah-ah, it was good, yeah. you know, a four-chord song, which has lyrics that were supposed to be finished, wah-ah was supposed to be lyrics. But we started playing it live, and people were like, hey, man, I love that wah-ah song. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. You know, but I realized that, oh, something as silly as, a, a, as something wah-ah could turn into a song could turn into something my band played, could turn into a recording, could turn into an album, could turn into a record deal, could turn into a video, could turn into a career, and a whole life opened up to me, and then turn into something for other people. That, and then time, every time I write a song or had success, I get to see that over and over again. And that's been, for me, uh, just a great way to say that every little silly idea you can have can come true. You just got to follow it. Yeah. And then, and not quitting. You know that it's such a cliche, but the, at the end of the day, the people that don't quit are the ones who who succeed. And the person who makes it biggest at the end of the day, they're not the smartest. Yeah. They're not the most talented. They're just the one that didn't quit. Yeah, they're tenacious. They're tenacious. It really is. That's me, man. Yeah. I, there's so many people yes. who I started with who were so much better than me. And Same. I'm like, they, Same. they quit. I'm like, yes. oh, yeah. you shouldn't have quit. Yeah, it's like you you yeah. just keep showing up, keep showing up, yeah. keep showing up. Because along the way, you're going to learn those. You're Hopefully, you're either succeeding or you're learning. These yeah. are the options. There is no failure there. It's just like, hey, I'm going to show up again, and I'm going to keep trying this thing until I get some sort of um, movement in the direction that I want to go. I have 
gotten to sit with a lot of songwriters over the last couple of years here on the show. I've listened and, to those different oh, podcasts. Oh, thank you. What's so great is you hear the stories, right? You hear, hey, we were sitting around. We couldn't figure out the guitar riff. We went and got coffee. We came back. And, you know, now it's the one of the most downloaded songs ever, That's right? Crazy. But what I know, especially Nashville songwriters, is that y'all get together five days a week, three days, four oh, yeah. days. Sometimes you have two writes in a day. The amount of songs that you are writing to have those glimmery, shimmery moments yeah. of like everything clicked and it's a song now everybody sings, you had to sit through God knows how many writing sessions to get to that one. Exactly. Not to say it, but in the book. <laughs> it's one of the things I talk about, and it's uh, it's a part of the book called Filling the Well, which is like continuing your education that, like I mentioned earlier, that that I think of inspiration being in this finite well within you, and that when you're young, that well of inspiration and creativity is, is full because everything's coming at you at a mile a minute, mm -hmm. you know, at light speed. Your relationship with your parents, your siblings, your first love, your first heartbreak, the music you loved. But then you get older and you have to be overt and and about getting inspiration. And to that, I, I, I talk about that you also have to do that in business, that the people that can connect the dots, educate themselves, knowing the business of their business, um, are the people that succeed. And, and to your point, in Nashville, there are thousand amazing songs written a day a day there's so, it's so intimidating how great the songwriters are so if you if so if you just can say there there's 600 hit song worthy songs written today mm -hmm. okay then who gets who wins who wins is a person who knows who, who they read the trades they know what producers are working with what artists what songwriters are, are on that song you know all the time on Spotify, I have a song I listen to every, like without fail, I listen to New Music Friday and all yeah. the different playlists. And yeah. now I'm working out or whatever, and a song will pop up. I'm like, oh, what is this song? There's like a, recently there was a song by a British artist. Her name is Ray, R A Y E, and a song called Escapism. And I was like, this is the dopest song I've heard in a long time. And then I clicked on those three little dots out to the right, right. of the song, and I went down to credits. And I was like, oh, I, I know that songwriter. I know the producer, and so I reached out. Right now, I've got a songwriting session in the fall with Ray. Yeah, because I just took the time to know my business, and and the people in Nashville who are successful are the ones who know what's happening in the charts, where the executives are, you know, at the different labels, how to get that idea, that hit song, yeah. to the finish line. You yeah. know, so that's how, and those tools are there for you. Whatever your job is, they're there for you, but you got to seek them out. Right. I got to, mm -hmm. I'll have to show you. There was a, I was at the gym today and Spotify has this new thing where it's like the DJ. Uh, oh. Have you tried this yet? Are you a, are you an Apple Music guy? I'm, I, I'm, I have Apple Music, okay. but I'm Spotify. I'm Spotify too. Even so. though they pay us songwriters terrible, right. I'm a Spotify guy. <laughs> I'm a Spotify girl. And they... Wait, let's not say there's a person. What? We're Spotify people. Yeah, we're Spotify people. Uh, so it has this new feature called DJ, and right. it's AI. And it's a, I don't know why I said that, like, it's AI. It's the devil. No, it's AI. I have, we could talk, I have oh, lots of thoughts go. about AI. Uh, but it's, uh, so it talks to you like a DJ, and it's like, hey, I'm going to DJ music based on what you like, and then I'm going to mix in new artists based on your 
music that you love to see if you might like those. And I listen to everything. So my DJ sets are hilarious. But today it was like, here's some new artists in the like sort of with folky sounds because I love it. And um, there was an artist who it had a really cool sound. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Not my favorite lyrics, but it was a cool sound. And so I did exact, and I was like, I wanted to see how many followers. I've never oh, yeah. heard of this girl. I can't think of her name right now. I look, and it's like her only songs. So I was like, well, that's interesting. Go go look on Instagram. She's got like three thousand followers. <laughs> and I have a really good friend who's a very successful songwriter. And I sent it, and I was like, bro, this girl yeah. wrote and she produced the song herself. So I looked, I creeped on her Instagram, and I'm like. Bless her heart, she made this sound and it was like really interesting and sort of ethereal. And so I was like, this is a, check this out. So I haven't heard back from Scott yet, but if she becomes big, it's because I said because it of you. It's me, but, 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 but I'll know, show her to you too. That story, that is the beginning of so many careers. You know, to, and, and what you realize is that success is this crazy, it can also be discouraging because you realize that success if you're given as a hit song or, or a hit idea or a hit product or whatever it is, if the given is that it's good, success is this crazy alchemy of happenstance and luck and stuff like that. Rachel Hollis hearing the song, she gave it to her songwriter friend. Songwriter Finn loved it and sent it to the person at the label. Right. And you know, a, a great '90s example was the Goo Goo Dolls. The Goo Goo Dolls. They were about to get dropped from Warner Brothers, and they had a song on the B side of their album called Name that Kevin Weatherly, the legendary PD at K-Rock, just dug, and he started playing it. The band was done. He started playing it, and now we, the rest of the story is they had all those massive songs time and time again. Yeah. It's just Collide, one of my biggest songs. That album was dead. Uh, a PD in Phoenix just started playing Collide because they liked it. Mm. And, and then it just so – so I just – yeah, you just – you have to love success, but also just have a gratitude for. Um, well, I also think, and maybe we don't talk about this enough in life, but I try really hard. If I like anything, whether it's a coffee, a cup that I'm right. anything, I'm always trying to promote it in any way I can. And I don't just mean like, oh, on my social here, I love yeah, this yeah. coffee cup. But I did it today. I had a one of the biggest meetings of my career today. It was a big deal, Kevin. Um, I'm so fortunate you squeezed me in. Oh, no, it was this morning, but it was plenty of time. Uh, But I had this meeting for a project that I've been working on for years. And I was sitting, it was on a Zoom. Congratulations, by the way. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I was sitting on a Zoom and I was sitting on a Zoom with a really big celebrity, like where I was like, what the fuck is going on? I know. Um, By the way, I looked at all the celebrities you have on the show, and I was like, I was like, does the Booker know that I'm? Is it a slow week for Rachel? No. You know what the honest truth is? That was just my insecurity. It's two things I love. It's writing and music. Right. Those are my favorite things on earth. So it's like, oh, you want to sit and talk with a musician? Fuck yeah, I do. I went so again. So the Zoom. Yeah. So I'm on this Zoom, and I'm sitting, and it was like, you know, when you're having a meeting, you're like in your, the back of your mind, you're like, oh my God, this is totally happening. Like, it's a really good meeting. Like, oh, we're going to actually do something. This is going to be a thing. And 
we're we're talking and we're vibing and it's a whole thing. And I just had this really strong instinct. There's another, uh, she's been on the show, a female director that I interviewed that I loved her energy. I think her work's amazing. I had had lunch with her after right. the show. She just ended up, I was like, this is a good human making good shit who's still sort of coming up. And so I'm on this call with them and I just had this instinct. I was like, hey, guys, because I, I was on a call with a bunch of women. Right. Um, and this is a female director and writer. And I said, hey, guys, uh, not for nothing. Uh, you know, I hope something happens here. But even if it doesn't, I just have the instinct to tell you, have you ever met her? And they were like, no. we." Ha-. I'm like, oh, my God, she's amazing. To consider her for this project? No. Oh, just oh, like just... you're making a bunch wow. of shit. She's super you cool. You guys should just. You're cool. She's cool. You should touch base. And they were like, yes, thank you. Will you connect us? But I want to be the kind of person that's like, do you know? Because that's just that energy is going to come back. That's not the intention, but it'll come back. You saying that makes me think of we all know someone in our life who is a connector. Yes. You know, and they and there's no discernible benefit to them in their connecting you. They just want to connect people. They love they get off doing that. Right. When I do that, it's so satisfying. When I'm like, I've got no agenda. Yeah. I got no skin in the game. Yeah. They're just awesome. Yeah. You guys need to work. Yeah. Take I love those emails when you say, Hey, this is an amazing person, this amazing person. You guys And I'm not saying yeah. let's all get together. I'm saying right. take it from here. Yeah. I love doing well, it's that. Also, and that's well, it kudos only, to you for that. That can only exist in an abundance mindset. When you believe there's enough for everybody, I, do, I don't think that by connect, this is not going to take yeah. away from my thing. This is going to be additive to us all. I love that. And I love the reminder of like that you are continuing to do the work, which is in the book. Yeah. This idea of like, it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. It doesn't matter. You're still doing the things that work for you, which is like who, what's new? What's music look like right now? Who's making this? How can I be connected to them? The producer who did Olivia Rodrigo, I was just curious who had written and produced that with her. And it's one guy, as far as I can tell. He messaged her on Instagram. Mm -hmm. That's how he got connected to her. She was like up and coming and she had the TV show or whatever. And he had heard her sing some songs. And he was like, oh, I like your sound. Do you want to write together? And then they ended up creating this album. That happens all the time. Kevin Kadish, uh, whose career was, he's a very successful writer, was was kind of languishing, a lot of success, but hadn't had any big hits. He reached out to Megan Trainer. He just heard her music. They got put together. She was with Big Yellow Dog at the time. Then they did all about that bass. Mm. You know, so I'm never shy about direct messaging somebody on Instagram. You know, what's the worst they can do? Just right. ignore me. Yeah, and I get ignored all the time. Yeah, on direct messages. Yeah. you know, I'll, I'll direct. I'll you know, I'll say, hey, if you ever want to work together, I'm just a big fan. And a lot of times, I don't get anything back, but sometimes I do. And and when then we work together. What you said earlier made me think of something. You know, like putting people together. It's the belief in abundance that there's enough for everybody. One thing I talk about in in the book, and that is something I call take less, get more. And that when I, and the idea is that when I'm working with people, and it's if, if it's three people in a right, you always always split it. Be generous with 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 ownership and credit. Mm-hmm. You know, always to say it's our song. You know, and it's always split three ways. So if it's five people in that room, or somebody came in for thirty minutes and it was five, it's split twenty percent. 
And by conducting myself with that that way, I work with them again. And people always people know that I'm that guy. Right. And the long play in life is connecting people and and they want to work with you again. That's that pays that's the thing that seems uh, like a paradox is that wait a second if I take l- less on something that in the long run I'll get more. You know, and it's true it, the biggest dividends in life are paid by working with people over and over again. You know, I've got so many songs that I wrote 100% of that are languishing on a hard drive that yeah. will never get heard. Yeah. But I've got songs I have 10% of yeah. or, or 15% of that were hits. And I keep and I get to say, yeah, I wrote that, <laughs> you know, but I only wrote 15%. Yeah. But that opened all these other doors for me. You know, so I, I, I love that you said that just about, and, and I've never heard it said abundance, you yeah. know, the belief in abundance that there's enough for everybody. And if you connect other people, it, it comes back. Yeah. And you just have to trust. You know, and then and what validates that is it that happening in my own life, but also talking to people where oh that works for you too. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and that's such a great way just every day. Like oh, if I just do this and I behave in this way, and I'm accountable and and I follow some type of path, it'll pay off. Yeah, you know, 100%. it may not every day, but in the end, it does. Yeah. Uh, so who's playing at Pilgrimage Festival this year? Pilgrimage Festival is awesome. We have the Lumineers. Oh my gosh! We have Zach, the phenomenon Zach Bryan. I freaking love Zach, Zach Bryan. Is Killing we could have nobody else in the bill, and, right. the, and we're almost sold out. Right, I bet. we've got uh, the Head and the Heart. Mm, I don't know that. Oh, you know they're you. Okay, if you like folky kind of music, and okay. you like Nathaniel Rateliff, the Head and the Heart will blow you away. Okay, okay yeah. I'll add it so to my so list. so that's your listening assignment, Ashley McBride. The Black Crows. Oh wow! Um, it's a stacked list. Okay, and so it, it's September twenty third and twenty fourth. Okay, Franklin, Tennessee. Why don't you come? It's an amazing time to be in Franklin. I would love to come. Come down and 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 do some remotes. I would love. Oh Let's my gosh. set you up. Yes. Look, I was just. I was. I just talking. Was I talking to you about the airstreams? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you were making this amazing coffee, we were. T- you were saying how your relatives have a yeah, airstream. Well, Airstream, my wife works for Gibson. She's an executive for oh, Gibson cool. Guitars. And yeah. she's, they're doing a collaboration with Airstream. And, Airstream. and Airstream is going to come out with Gibson and have some Airstreams out at Pilgrimage this year. And they're like, hey, we'll put some in the producer's compound. What we should do is set up your own cute little yes. Airstream yes. in the artist lounge. or this. We, we have an Legit industry lounge called have the Shangri Lounge, and you can just do some podcasts. I have legitimately wanted to do this oh my God. so many times. Why I haven't gone forward with it is because I always worry about an artist doing a vocal, like putting strain on their vocal cords before oh, a talking. show. Yeah. So maybe after? Mm, if you feel like people anytime. do it, I'll oh, fucking, I, I, know, I would I love know to. I know they will because also, you know, this is a, a, a great podcast. Yeah. And no, to, just to come in and do it, yeah. Yeah, that would be and, They can do vibe. it before or after. It's, it's a Saturday and a Sunday. Okay. You know, and we can reach out to people. But then also, you've just got so many people who come out to the festival. Yeah, that's like, cool. Like who was, uh, Theo Vaughn texted me. On the way over here, we literally I, was trying to watch his stand up last night. He's so funny, he's, but my boyfriend is English, right. and he just he doesn't get can't. It. I'm like, okay, it's your people aren't southern. If your people were southern, this would be hilarious the, to you. His his 
stories and his anecdotes are so oh Southern. God. And then it's add so... in his brain works in a right, different way. Right. And then he just throws in something like the Shifferobe from right. To Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> you know, I'm like, where did he pull Harper <laughs> fucking Lee out of the... And he's like, he's 30, you know? Right. Are they still reading To yes. Kill a Mockingbird? But he's so funny, but he reached out. He's like, hey, man, I'm bringing my crew because he's real tight with Zach Bryant. Oh, okay, cool. And But the point is, there's all these people who also aren't playing. If they know that yeah. they can come hang out and get their dream yeah, corn and then also do the podcast, we'll just, I'll connect you with I'll, with me, yeah. but also we'll get on with like PR and yeah. however we want to do it. I would love to that do that. That would be a ball. That'd be so and then you sick. can do some writing that week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You yeah, want to write Whatever a song? you want to do. <laughs> so, yeah, we can. I got an amazing studio in Franklin. I bet. I bet. It's really, really cool. Yeah, I would love to come. I'm doing, I'm taking the two teenagers. I lived in Austin for five years. So I'm taking the two teenagers back for ACL in October, uh, which I'm very excited about. But how, what are their ages? 16, and he'll be 15 at that point. Oh, that's yeah, awesome. I took the 16 Boy and year old girl last year. Two boys. Two boys. Me too. I got, yeah. I have a 24 year old. No way. Max. And then, and then he has two brothers, uh, twin boys, 14. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I have more, I have 16. 14, 10, and 6. Oh I got God. a lot of freaking kids. That's amazing. But just the teenagers get to go. Okay. But I love uh, music's one of my favorite things in the whole world. Well, ACL but is so It's cool. amazing. And but you it haven't also been ACL still, in Austin. Yeah. It's just the best. It's still, though, I'm interested in yours because ACL is still, I'm not the demographic for ACL. You know what I mean? Like, ACL's big and, and, it, and it's and it's very and it, mm-hmm. and it'll throw in a George Strait or, right. or a Duran Duran. You right. know, and or I'm Cure. down. Like I when I when we went last year or the year before, like loved Miley, loved Billy. Like I'll, I'll go I sit. was there. But oh were you? Yeah. I, I, we were when Miley played, we yes. were She's played at the same time as George Strait. Yes, yes. My wife loves George Strait. And so I was like, tra- I need uh, to go. Because we, we wanted to book. Yes. We, we, we actually tried to book Molly for this year, but yeah. she just wasn't touring. Yeah. So we didn't get her butt. So I was running back and forth across that massive field. She did field. such a good job. She's such, such a badass. Such a good job. Such a badass. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm such a fan of artists that make a leap that people don't want to allow them to do. Whether it's Justin Timberlake or Molly Cyrus going from a Disney kid to this. Yep. Always you know, just defying expectations. I don't think that the public can fully appreciate how much you risk as an artist when you do that. Oh, yeah. When you're like, if you just keep showing up in this exact way that we want you to, we will continue to love you and you'll make money and you'll still be able to take care of your mama and you'll still get to live this life. But if you want to follow artistic integrity and try and do something that's very different than what we expect, you're really taking a risk. The payoff is superstardom and, and whatever it is. You exactly. Know. But yeah, people people want you to be a certain thing, you know, and stay that, and they want to say you can't do that. Yeah. You know? So I'm I'm a big admirer of people that just say no. I'm going to align myself with great people again. Back to collaboration, you know, Justin, Tim, you know, collaborated with Timbaland and Pharrell. Yeah. You know? And and Miley does the same thing with yeah. great collaborators. Yeah. You know, they all work with, and then. Taylor works with Jack Antonoff. Everybody works with Jack Antonoff for Bleachers. God, I wish I, yeah, I wish I had that monthly BMI check that he has. I can't <laughs> even insane. imagine. Oh, I can't even on. imagine. When you when you ever like some of those bigger producers or bigger writers and you look at their stuff and you're like, what songs has this person written? And then you look, you're like, oh my God, okay. It's crazy. You are flying around on a golden it's, jet. It's crazy. You know, speaking of a guy I write with often. 
is Ed Robertson from Bare Naked Ladies. Oh yeah, and you know he is is one of the sweetest, most intelligent guys you'll ever meet. And they're they're they have a sold out tour right now. They just did do Greek theater, and oh, cool. you know, and speaking, you know, and he he has songs like One Week and Pinch Me and stuff. It, massive copyrights. Copyrights is what you call a song that year in, year out, it's always Still, getting airplay. It's yeah. always getting sync, synchronizations, you know, meaning, meaning with movies and stuff. But he also wrote the theme to the Big Bang Theory. Yeah. Wow. In about 30 minutes, a verse and a chorus, sent it in, and it became the theme song. He said, Kevin, he said, that song alone is like having for the past 10 years is like having a hit song every quarter. I won't say the money that 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 song has made, but I'm suffice to say every time we're together I'm like, "Hey, so any pilots ask you to uh, you know like dinosaur show. days or what, what's what's the next, you know, AI fiance, right. that's the new Netflix right. banger." Oh my god. Yeah, so so yeah, there's there's always somebody Who's going to be more successful than yeah. you? You know, never fail. Yeah. Well, it depends on the area of life too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that that's that that, that keeps me going. Yeah. You know, it has hungry. been so incredible to sit oh, and chat with you. This has been. I was a little nervous. Were you? you? Know, you're a big deal. Oh my god! You know, not not best-selling only, author, no, big podcast. No. Then I made the I made the mistake of kind of going down the rabbit hole and really doing my due diligence and looking at all your guests. I was like, oh my god, yes, I'm some legit people oh no. so this is this has been so fun and laid back and the coffee rock my that, world thank you i'm and, glad and the, i've got to return the favor pilgrimage festival this yes September. i would love i I'm for, for real you'd have a ball let's go jack yeah. you want to go okay great you're you. already there yeah. emotionally and mentally let's and, do it great perfect tell people they want to get the book they want to follow you online they want to do all the things tell them where they can find you the book is called the greatest song spark creativity ignite your career and transform your life you can get it wherever books are sold, physical copies, um, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, your local bookstore. I also did uh, an audio book. Yes. It's on Audible, which I had such a ball doing. I was about to, I was going to do it myself. I was writing with uh, a girl named Claire Garesso and she was like, are you going to do an audio book? I was like, yeah, I got it. In my cocky way. I got it. I know how to record. It's just like, well, that's great. But my husband, Mark Galoop, does most of the Audible books. Oh, cool. He's one of their biggest producers, so I, he was able to do it. And I did all the different voices. And the cool thing is, in the book, there are five songs, fictional songs written. And we thought it would be cool. Why don't we turn those songs into real songs? No way. So there's a soundtrack to the Oh, book. I'm such there's a nerd. Gra- I'm going to go the greatest, look at that. Uh, the, the greatest song soundtrack It's the five songs. And in the book, what was fun is... In the book, I talk about like Jack. Jake pulls up his guitar and starts playing a finger-picked minor chord progression. In the book, we took the separate Pro Tools tracks, and you hear the song, the guitar, and then Britt started play, came up with a cool reggaeton beat. Yeah, and you hear that come in. So the audio book is really fun. Oh, cool! And while I was doing it, I kept it was like. I kept having to stop because I would start laughing. Number one, thinking about how my friends were going to screw with me with all my different accents. But number two, I'd lean over to him. I was like, am I going to get canceled for any of the voice? Am I just this clueless guy that's so right, offensive? Right? He goes, right. no, it's great. Just yes, go. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. I was like, yeah. okay. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. So that's so hard. You know, it's it's uh, you can read it, feel in your hands, or you can get a virtual Kindle, whatever you want to do. Just check it out. Cool. Yay. And are you are on social that everyone yes, can go uh, be your Kevin friend? Yes, it's Kevin M. Griffin. Okay, Kevin great. M. is for Michael 
on Instagram and Twitter. I'm I, I live on Instagram. Yeah, I, I'm I, the I, same. I push everything to Facebook, but I'm I'm IG and I try to do TikTok. Yeah, but I you know it's 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 huge, but I'm Instagram. Right. So Kevin M Griffin, and you can go to kevingriffinmusic.com for all the tour dates with Better Than Ezra. And I do this band called Ezra Ray Hart with Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray. Oh, cool. And we play all these privates all over the place. So there's always something going on. How fun. Yeah. Well, thanks for hanging out, man. Rachel, it was my pleasure. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble.